Welcome to America's Top Rebutons. May this class be for Rafua Shalema, for Karen Bat Frida Hindle, and also for Abihai Batmaka. If you'd like to sponsor a podcast, please email us at atrebutsons at gmail.com. I'm so excited to have on today's show, Rabbanit Hannah Henkin. Rabbanit Hannah is the founder and dean of Nishmat and is one of today's most acclaimed Jewish educators and a leader in redrawing the landscape of Torah leadership and scholarship for women. She has headed Nishmat's Beit Midrash for 30 years, where her legendary infectious love of Torah inspires generation after generation of students. Together with her husband, noted halachic authority, Rav Yehuda Henkin, Rabbanit Henkin created the unique role of Yoetz and Halacha, experts in women's health and Jewish law, to address women's questions into Harad Hamishpaha and women's health. Thank you so much for being on the show. Please tell us more about yourself and what you do. It's a pleasure to be with you. The first thing I have to say is that I'm talking to you from Yerushalayim, the most wonderful, beautiful city in the world. And, um, uh, oh my goodness, what do I do? Um, I teach a little, I run school, um, about half of our um, efforts have to do with Yoatzot Halacha, who are women who, um, um, women who teach and address women's questions in the area of mikvah, fertility, um, um, I'm sorry, I have the vocabulary in Hebrew, the accent in English, intimacy, um, all of those questions relating to the field that we call tarat mishpacha. Um, so we're a school, but we're also um, a service institution that employs many, many Yoatzot Halacha. We actually created the position of Yoatzot Halacha. Um, when you asked me what I do, I was thinking I really should answer you. I get myself into trouble because, <laughs> <laughs> because that's a good <laughs> summation of how I've spent uh, how I've spent my career. I've uh, been privileged, Baruch Hashem, to have been married for fifteen years, fifty years, excuse me, um, to. A rab who, until his passing, shared all of my dreams, my hopes, my aspirations. And together, we had the privilege of bringing something fundamentally new into the world, which is women who are there for other women, who are scholarly, who are learned, who are learned not just in Jewish law, um, and very learned in the field, but there are also women who have spent two years um, studying women's health so that they're able to discuss um, and they keep up to date with information in the fields of women's health. And many, many of the questions which reach us on our telephone hotline, our websites, are questions that have an element of women's women's health in it. Um, and uh, apparently this, this is something that is very greatly needed by women because the success has so far outstripped our original um, 
hopes and dreams. We've had over 350,000 questions reach us um, wow. over, over a period of about 20 years uh, from all over the world. It's, it's amazing. Um, yeah. You know, it's really, really amazing what the Yoats at Halacha um, do. And it's, I guess it's a fairly new, a fairly new position, a Yoats at Halacha, and not every community has one. But for the communities that do have one, it's a, it's a great resource for women to go if they have halakhic questions during, you know, the time of their periods and about how to immerse in a mikvah and just different questions that, that come up surrounding that particular mitzvah of Tahara Hamishbaha that has to do with the mikvah and family purity and also with fertility. I don't think, you know, everyone realizes that this also has to do with a woman's fertility. Um, so the Yoetz Halacha is also trained in that, I believe um, you were saying. Um, to help women in this area. So it's really beneficial on many fronts. I, I've had conversations which have moved me to tears over the course of years. Um, uh, a woman called up to say thank you to me. And uh, um, she said, one of your Yoatso now have, I don't remember the exact number, it's over 160 Yoatso worldwide. Uh, most of them are in Israel, but um, uh, 30 something are in the United States. There's someone in Australia, there are uh, two in England, someone uh, uh, in Canada, one or two in Canada. So this woman called me up and said, I want to thank you for helping my daughter. And then she said to me, where were you when I needed you? And I said to myself, there's tremendous suffering that's locked into that sentence. Where were you when I needed you? Yeah. Apparently, biologically, the daughter is similar to the, or physiologically, the daughter is similar to the mother, um, has a certain problem. The Yoetzet was able to solve the problem easily. Generally, this means a shorter separation period um, during the month. It's a system that I believe in, but with, with heart and soul, I believe in it. But um, when the system malfunctions and the separation turns into two thirds of the month or more, then that's um, um, intervention is needed. Somebody's got to help this woman. And I imagine that's what she was telling me. I've had uh, many, many women come to me and pat a pregnant belly and say, thank you, this is your baby. And every Yoetzet Halacha has stories like that. Someone who, someone who sends her an ultrasound and says, I'm so excited. I've got to share this with you. You made this happen. It's so exciting and it's so special. It's so special. And we're going we're gonna to learn more about this today. So um, let's dive right in. So Taharat HaMishpaha, also known as family purity, is one of the three mitzvot that is incumbent upon women. The other two mitzvot that are specifically incumbent upon women are candlelighting and challah. And Taharat HaMishpaha plays a vital role in sanctifying our marriages and our lives. So for those who are not aware, can you please explain to us what Tahar Hamishpaha really is and why it's so important? Um, we 
we Jews look at life differently than most other people. People who are not Jewish could be wonderful people, but we have a unique way of looking at things. And um, we believe in sanctity, Kedusha. We believe that Kedusha needs to touch, to uplift every area of our existence. For that reason, before we sit down to eat, we say bracha. We, um, we have a blessing that we recite before we eat. We have a blessing that we recite after we eat. We pray several times a day. There are others who pray, other religions who pray also. But Jew, um, in the course of his day, touches God in, in every feature of his work, uh, of his life. This includes the home, the workplace, and it also includes the marital relationship. God is a part of the marital relationship, and he's a part in that there's a, um, an interrelationship between the woman's physical system, her body, the way her body works, her periods, and Jewish law. According to Jewish law, the couple are not permitted to have relations and not even to touch during the period in which the woman menstruates. And when her menstruation finishes for seven clean days afterwards, then the woman has the special mitzvah of going to the mikvah. She immerses herself in the mikvah. The mikvah is a body of natural water. It can have additional waters added to it, but the core body of the mikvah is natural water. Vera, I think there was an interruption in my uh, internet connection. So let me backtrack a little bit. Um, in order to bring sanctity into the marital relationship, the husband and the wife are not permitted to have relations while the woman is menstruating and for seven clean days afterwards. And then the woman immerses herself in the mikvah. Um, I believe I was beginning to describe the mikvah. It's... Um, uh, it's a body of water to which additional water can be added, but it begins with natural water, rainwater, or a spring, which is directed into the mikvah. And the woman immerses herself uh, in this pool of water, makes a bracha, makes a blessing, comes out of the mikvah, and then the couple are able to resume their relationship, their sexual relationship, and the expression of physical affection. Um, uh, and assuming that a woman is menstruating monthly, which is the natural cycle of most women, not all, but most women, uh, that means that a portion of married life is spent with physical intimacy and during a portion of married life, this is a challenge, I admit it, uh, the couple needs to find other ways for emotional intimacy, which is not coupled with physical intimacy. 
in today's world, um, when many women use hormonal contraceptives, so uh, hormones have begun to regulate menstruation for those women. I, I'm not discussing now whether one should or one shouldn't use hormonal contraceptives. I personally am extremely dubious from health reasons um, um, for, for unnecessary use of hormones, hormones on candy. But um, I do mention that there are women who regulate menstruation, Jewish women and non-Jewish women. Um, um, and they may menstruate three times a year, four times a year, or they may take um, progesterone-based contraception, in which case they may uh, cease menstruation or menstruate very, very rarely. But when the woman menstruates, she counts seven clean days after finishing menstruation and immerses herself in the mikvah. And then the couple resume the full relationship, which has the emotional um, and the physical components to it. And I, I have to say, if we're speaking about this, this isn't a simple mitzvah. Um, it's not, not um, uh, the good things in life don't come cheap. And uh, this is a mitzvah that has a price. There's sacrifice. There's 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 effort. There's self-restraint. There's discipline. But on the other hand, there's sanctity. There's kedusha. There's the knowledge that my relationship is not just about the physical side of things. That that um, my relationship with the entirety of the world is seen through the prism of the spirit god is there at all times so um uh that's a description of the mitzvah of mikvah now where this intersects with what yoatzot halacha do is that if um the period of separation is extended for instance, if the woman does not find herself able to count seven clean days right after the fifth day of menstruation, let's say, um, the period of separation is not 12 days, but it could be extensive and some women can miss their ovulation date. We have found over and over and over, Vera, I can't tell you how many times this has happened, um, to every one of us that there are women who unnecessarily add days. And by sharing information, we're very often able to get the woman to the mikvah before her ovulation date. Um, and as a result, conception can take place. So it's... Um, it's unbelievable. I mean, you just imagine to yourself, a woman calls you up and says to you, Vera, I'm pregnant. I waited for this. My dream is coming true. And I, and, and I have you to thank. Very meaningful. Very, very meaningful. Yes. 
oh my gosh, that's so that's so special and so beautiful. And how it could happen, you know, through the mikvah, through women keeping the laws of Tahar Hamishbaha, it's amazing. But you know, there's a there's a big challenge. I know that going to the mikvah is a very big nisayon, a really huge challenge for many women, and this is completely understandable. How do you help to lessen the hardship for these women and make it easier and more pleasant for them, getting them to the mikvah more quickly and helping them really to conceive as a result? Well, I think there are um, a, a lot of components to your question. Um, one of them is how do you get a woman to the mikvah more quickly? And the answer is if she's unnecessarily adding on days of separation, because when she checks herself to see if she can begin the clean days, um, when she does an internal check, she is under the impression that the color that she's seeing is prohibiting her. But very often it is not. And um, she can start counting her clean days before she thinks she can start counting her clean days. This happens all the time. Um, there are many times in which a rabbi is consulted. We always have a rabbi on call for um, almost 30 years. My husband, Zichrono Bracha, was the rabbi on call when Yoetso needed to consult him for stock and uh, for a uh, legal decision. But that's one of the things that that's one of the things that can be done. There are many, there are many, many ways I would tell every woman who's listening to this podcast, if she thinks that um, um, that menstruation has begun, but she sees that she's just spotting. Speak to your to Yoetz and Halacha immediately. You may not be prohibited. I I can't say I can't give more information in a podcast because the laws are very specific. But um, uh, don't assume that you have necessarily become prohibited. That's not the case. Uh, necessarily ask a question. Ask a question, and you may find that. Um, um, may find that, well, we can't help you this month, but you know what? We've just given you a tool for next month and the month after and month after and month after, and maybe we're able to help you for the month also. But there are a lot of mikvah questions. There can be a woman who's uncomfortable immersing with the mikvah attendant in the room. She may be a woman who has had a mastectomy. And um, she's very conscious of, um, of not being seen, even if the mikvah attendant is the most sensitive woman, she may feel more comfortable descending into the pool of water since we, we descend into the pool of water just as we were born without closing. Um, it's a rebirth. And a woman who um, um, either the example I just gave, or a woman who has a medical device. Um, for instance, a woman who's had a colostomy and has a bag, or a woman, um, a colostomy and ileostomy. There are young women who've had this experience, and there are older women who've had this experience. And 
um, one can be very self-conscious. And one of the things we do in Israel, and we'll probably start doing this in America as well, is we train um, mikvah ladies, mikvah attendants, who I just want to say parenthetically are some of the most inspiring women I've met because they work long hours, difficult hours, the hours that you want to be home with your family, they're at work in the mikvah. And the mikvah is warm and it's, 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 um, it's water, so it's moist. It's, it, um, and so many mikvah ladies work with tremendous dedication. But we train mikvah ladies, we train mikvah ladies to be sensitive to signs of abuse. When, um, when a woman is very slow to leave the mikvah. Generally, uh, after you come out of the pool and um, uh, you know you're wrapped in your towel and you um, you go into your private room and you dress and then you go and you uh, depending on the mikvah you may dry your hair in the private room or there may be a, a special room in which you're drying your hair. Um, when a mikvah lady sees a woman who has done all of that, but unlike the other women who are just waiting to, to, to go home to their husbands and to renew the relationship, you may see a woman who comes to you bruised every month. You may see, and, and she explains to you that one time she fell off a ladder and the other time she bumped into a door and uh, the third time she was moving a heavy piece of furniture and you see she doesn't want to leave the mikvah. Well, you can be a source of help to her. We, just as Yohat are not physicians, they have medical training, but we always say we know enough to know what we should not say, but we know how to refer. And um, uh, a, a mikvah attendant is not a therapist, but if she can give the woman a little card that says, you know, there's help for you, um, uh, it, it, um, you can save a person's life. You can sometimes rehabilitate a marriage. For sure. Um, yeah. No, it's amazing. It, it is. You're right. They're, they're, they're trained to be very sensitive. They're trained to be very observant, very alert. And yes, you know, while they, they may not be therapists, they can definitely refer. And that could, as you said, that could really save a life, save a relationship, save a marriage, you know, save a neshama, you know, save a person, save a person's soul. It's really, really special. Um, if you get that right sensitive, you to halacha. I'll give you another example. And this is also something that I would have experience with. You have a woman who, um, I'm thinking of someone specific right now, who has uh, an MA in some uh, field. Uh, in other words, her education is Western. Um, um, uh, she may be quite cosmopolitan. And um, with hesitation, she explains to you that the marriage has not been consummated. And um, what your job as a yoetzet halacha is to tell her is listen, um, um, listen, uh, Barbara, 
you may think you have a problem which only you are suffering from, only you and your husband. But I want you to know this is far more common than you would think in the same way. No one looking at you would assume you have this problem. You looking at others, you would never assume that they have this problem, but you should know this is not the end of the world. This is a problem that has treatment. You just have to get to a person, to the right address, because it's not a problem that will solve itself. And here, if you want, I can give you a couple of referrals. That's your job as a Yoetze. You need to make the woman develop a comfort level with getting help. I love it. And Uh, listen, we're in a very, we're in an intimate place. And that means you can help people with the kinds of problems that they don't want to talk about. And that if they don't talk about these problems can mar their lives. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And actually, speaking of talking about it, um, I mean, you have created you've been instrumental in creating a group of Yoats at Halacha, women who are highly educated at the level of rabbis, specifically in the field of Taharat HaMishpaha, and who also receive advanced training in in women's health in areas like we mentioned, gynecology, fertility, and women's reproductive health. And I understand that the Yoatzot Halacha have answered over 350,000 questions, as you mentioned, on Taharat Hamishpaha and women's health from all around the world. And that's amazing. That's amazing that all these questions are getting asked and that they're getting answered. It's fantastic. And I mean, these are questions that our women are really uncomfortable or unwilling to bring to a rabbi because, you know, he's a man. It's just easier to ask these types of questions to a woman than it is to a man. Like, we just feel like women can at least relate or understand what we're asking. And your Nishmat hotline gets around 40 questions a night and your website that functions in Hebrew, English, French, and Spanish has hundreds of FAQs and articles already on the website that are helpful. They're right on the website. They're helpful to so many women. And the website is www.yoatzot.org. That's www.yoat. Zot.org. I'll put all this in the description of the podcast so people can access it. And I was wondering if you can please share with us some different types of questions that you have received. Like if one woman has a specific question, chances are that other women have that question too. So I was just wondering what types of questions you receive. Um, well, uh, with pleasure, I'll share. I want to share something with you, which is incredibly exciting to me. This was just published. It's hot off the press. It's just become available. It's called Nishmat Abai. And it's a series of questions that were asked to Yoatzot Halakha. Um, my husband, and I edited this book. Um, but just appeared is the English translation. We're now working on volume two. We have a database of anonymous questions. And this is actually, Shmat um, is a book which can be very helpful, not just to women, but to rabbis. It's, it, there's a short question and a short answer that, um, um, that reflects the way in which we speak to the questioner, but there's a lengthy halachic, halachic discussion of how we reached the how we reached this conclusion, and it comes. The book has medical appendices, and some rabbis have told me that they bought the book for the medical appendices because um, 
the discussion of types of contraceptives, for instance, or um, illnesses of the reproductive system are things that aren't available generally in this format, interfacing um, interfacing with Jewish law. So what are some of the questions? They, uh, uh, the, you name it, we get it. It's, uh, uh, the, the questions vary. There, um, a woman may be, um, may wish to know, um, um, she's nursing and um, her physician has told her, you know, you need to be on contraceptives while you're nursing. Um, uh, the, this is very commonly said by, by physicians. I wish it weren't, but this is what, um, this is what many, many women will hear from a physician. You need, um, is, is my telephone bothering you or is that it's okay? It's all good. Okay. Okay. Um, probably will continue. This is, we subscribe to a service that reminds us to count Spirat home there. So at this time every night, the phone rings and if I don't answer it, it may fake, it may, um, it may ring again. So um, the, um, uh, the questions are questions which, of which many have to do with uh, menstruation and um, menstruation and spotting a woman um, a physician puts the woman on um, it's in Israel it's called the mini pill I imagine something uh, similar in the United States it's progesterone based it causes a tremendous amount of staining and the woman wishes to know so what do I do? How do I deal with this? Um, does this um, staining render us prohibited to each other? The questions are what I would call routine questions. And then the questions are um, um, difficult and challenging questions. A woman may... Um, wish to know about surrogacy. Is surrogacy permitted under Jewish law? I want the child to be Jewish. Should I, um, uh, is it preferable to have a Jewish surrogate or a non-Jewish surrogate? If I have a non-Jewish surrogate, is the child going to be restricted in any way from marrying? Um, um, donor sperm, donor eggs, um, there are questions that come from women who have um, uh, experienced abuse and they may find it very difficult to do um, uh, internal checks. They, they may find it emotionally very difficult. They may wish to know whether it's permissible to um, lower the number of checks that they need to do. A woman may forget to check and she may wish, need to, she may ask, what do I do? Um, uh, 
um, we check ourselves for seven clean days, well, a woman may forget the last day or uh, she may forget the first day and then she'll call and she'll say, well, what do I do? Um, uh, a woman who is having extremely lengthy periods wants to know, is there anything I can do? Um, uh, questions, there, there are many, many questions involving contraceptives. This contraceptive permissible is that contraceptive permissible? And the answer to a question like that is: Wait, we need to ask a, another question first. We need to ask: Do I have a responsibility to procreate? Is there a mitzvah that uh, I need to perform? And then you can ask about the type of contraceptive you can use if you have fulfilled the mitzvah already, um, or if you are at a, if, if you are um, spacing children, you had a child last year. Um, my husband and his grandfather, Zatzal, Gaon Zatzal, the great Rav Henkin, would permit contraception between children for the sake of the child, between uh, pregnancy, to, in order to devote oneself to raising the child. Um, the great Rev Henkin said that rearing a child is part of the mitzvah of childbearing. Part of the mitzvah of Kuruvu is to raise the child. And um, there, um, oh, goodness, uh, there are questions having to do with um, immersion with a medical device. A woman has had um, uh, an ileostomy, and for, um, for the, it's, it's going to take it's going to take a couple of months until the packet that the doctors are creating for her um, um, for the passage of food is developed. And meanwhile, things pass through her system very, very quickly. So she wants to know, do I have to remove the bag? Generally, a woman who has the bag, a young woman who's being treated for rectal cancer, for instance, and she has a bag. She's terrified of going to the mikvah because uh, she knows if she removes that bag, um, her her terror is what happens if um, um, what is expelled from the body comes out. She has no control over it while the bag is removed. Is there any way she can immerse herself with the bag? And if she removes the bag, well. What about mikvah water? Um, um, and we would, of course, tell her that she has to make arrangements with the lady, perhaps mikvah attendant, to be the last person to immerse herself. But you, this woman may be very tired. She may be tired from her treatments that she's getting. She may be getting radiation. She may be getting chemo. And she's not up to waiting till midnight. Um, 
they, they were heartrending questions. And the, the wonderful thing is that thank God there's an address for these questions. Um, a, a, woman, a woman who's handicapped wants to know, um, wants to know if there's another handicapped access mikveh that's available to her. Uh, the, the questions are anything and everything and everything. Um, they're very uh, varied. They're very varied to the to the general that might apply to most people, and they they range all the way to the specific that might apply just to like you know very few individuals and their very special circumstances. But it's fantastic that the Yowetz and Halacha could be there either to answer the questions herself or to guide the person and to refer them to somebody who could really help them. And so that that was going to be my next question. I mean, if women have questions about Hamish Paha, what is the best way for them to reach out to Nishmat or to a Yowetz and Halacha? Well, it depends where they are. Um, anywhere in the world that has telephone service um, can call up our uh, can call up our telephone hotline from the United States. There's a free toll-free number, which is very easy to remember. It's one eight seven seven nine six three. 8938. And the reason why this is so easy to remember is because the number is 1877 Yo Etze. Y O E T Z E T. 1877 Yo There you have it. You dial the Yo and um, uh, and you get through to that. from the United States, depending whether you're on the Eastern Seaboard or the Western Seaboard. Um, the difference will be seven hours to Israel. So you should try not to call at 9 p.m. your time because it's four in the morning for a Yoetze. Uh, but I have to say, I do know Yoetze who answer the phone whenever it rings. Theoretically, they're on duty. Um, this is a not a volunteer job. This is a paid job. And theoretically, they're on duty from Israel time, 6 p.m. to midnight. But I've had Yoatso tell me when I tell them, turn off your phones afterwards. They'll say, uh-uh, if someone is calling me at two in the morning, it's because they need me. And so I'm gonna answer. I mean, it's I, I'm not somebody who enjoys waking up when I don't have to. And um, you just see women who want to help women women who, who want to be there for women. You can contact us 24-6. Um, it's actually six and a half because Motzei Shabbat, Sunday, Saturday night, Israel time is also available. You can contact us any, any time and ask questions over the website. Although women have told me many times, I got into your website, www.yoatsot.org. I got into your website. I had a question, but before I could answer right, right in my question, I found the answer. Um, and there's a wealth of material on the website. It's always developing and it's there. Also in the United States, there are um, 24 shuls which in, engage a yo etzet halacha under the rabbi's wings. I'll tell you this story. It's amazing. Um, 
in a certain New Jersey community, you know, Ed's was hired. And, you know, like anyone who's new in the job, she's so full of enthusiasm and excitement and she's just waiting. And the rabbi said to her, listen, so-and-so, I, uh, um, I don't want you to be disappointed. I want you to know that over the entirety of last year, I got three questions having to do with Tarah So please don't, don't expect um, uh, people to be breaking down your door in order to get to you to ask questions. Well, in her first year, she got upwards of 500 questions wow. and it just skyrocketed from there. She logged all of her questions. So um, she knew exactly how many she got and you say to yourself so what was happening before um some of the questions that she got she would discuss but anonymously with the rabbi because um women will say listen um i see the rabbi of my community on on shabbos i see the rabbi of my community um, at various meetings, um, um, I, I can't go to him with a private, with a, a personal question. But, you know, it's much more than that. It's that when a woman has to discuss something which is intimate, which has to do with her body, with the rabbi, she presents herself in the most normative possible fashion. And all she wants to do is get out of there as quickly as possible. 100%. And when she's speaking to Yo, to Yo Etzet, sometimes she thinks this is the question, but that's the question. And the Yo Etzet isn't interested just in giving her an answer. The Yo Etzet is interested in helping her. So sometimes, very, very often, it's giving her information so that she won't get into this situation again. Can I give you an example? Please. Um... It's an Israeli story. It's a story of a woman on a kibbutz. Um, a Yoetzer Halacha came to a kibbutz in order to speak, in order to speak about Tarat Mishpacha to the women of the kibbutz. And afterwards, one woman, a woman in her 30s, came over to her and um, she said, I've never discussed this with anyone, but my husband and I have spent the better part of the last six months separated um, uh, from each other, not maritally, but um, um, without um, intimate contact between the two. And she explained that her husband is an army officer, a high army officer. This is an Israeli story. We in Israel, we in Israel live different lives. We, our sons go to the army, our husbands go to the army. They were away from home. Um, many of them are away from home a lot. So she explained that her husband um, would not come home frequently, but she had a problem which was keeping her from going to the mikvah for months on end. And she said, here he comes home and the children fall all over him. And I'm there in the kitchen and I'm waving to him and I'm saying, hi, so nice to see you. 
And of course, this came with tears. You know, it starts out just with, um, I have a question and a woman timidly asks. Um, and the Oetit within five minutes was able to solve her problem. Amazing. This happens all the time. It has to do with a conversation with figuring out what the woman is doing that she doesn't need to do. Um, another example was a newly married bride whose friend told her combine packs of contraceptive pills and then you won't get your period. The problem is that um, the woman, the bride was taking triphasic pills and combining packets meant going from a, um, a high to a low estrogen level, um, dropping uh, acutely and or uh, low to high, I don't remember what it was. And as a result, she menstruated immediately. And this couple was, well, this woman was following advice from her friends. There were there, there was a rabbi and there was a big posek and there was a bigger posek and everyone was trying to solve the problem. And the Oetzet, right when she heard the woman's problem, she said, tell me, um, are you taking any kind of contraceptive? And so this young bride says, yeah. Um, and the Oetzet says, what kind? And the OSIT realized immediately what the problem was. And the solution was so simple. But if no one had spoken to this, this woman, if the question was simply the husband shows the rabbi uh, uh, something and the rabbi says, uh, yes, you're prohibited to each other. Um, uh, she is neither. You haven't helped them. You've answered the question that you were asked, but what about the question that's behind it that can enable the couple to um, to have a um, a full home life? Even though, as I said, this mitzvah is challenging, I do not deny it. It brings kedusha sanctity into our lives. It's a very important mitzvah. But we need to be there for women. And uh, I, in, in my wildest dreams, when I said this has got to be, I, I, I didn't even plan this. I mean, sometimes in life, we, we do things that we're building up inside of us. And someone's then I could probably predict, ah, I know just what she's going to do. But I didn't know what I was going to do until I, um, I was ready the, the dean of the uh, of a school we were there was a strong emphasis upon studying halacha and um, uh, I met a friend who was in her late 40s and uh, I asked her how she was I crossed the street because I saw a friend I asked her how she was and she began crying and said I can't take it any longer um, and she told me one of those stories about that she goes to the mikvah and the next morning they're having to separate again. She said, we're not living normally. I can't, I can't handle this. Yes. And it was then that I said, 
this has got to change. There's got to be a woman there in the middle. She's got to be trained in medicine, not in order to be a doctor, but in order to, to have an intelligent conversation with the doctor, in order to understand the issues that women are confronting, how the body's working. And it's then that I said, we've got to do this, but I never imagined how far this was going to go. Yeah, and the quality amazing. of women who are becoming Yoatzot Halakha, they, they're just the best of the best. They're, they're warm, they're friendly, they're knowledgeable, they're accessible. They, um, we look for three things in uh, a Yoetzet Halakha. The first is Reshit Chachma Yirat Hashem. We look for Yirat Shavayim. We look for authentic religious commitment. The second is we look for a level of learning so that they're able to understand what they're studying. And the third is what I call gleam in the eye. We're looking for someone who loves people, who who wants to help. It's amazing. It's really, it's amazing what you and your, your, your Atzot Halacha that you have created. It's really so special. And it's such a, um, it's such a wonderful resource for women. So I encourage anybody listening to to this podcast, if you have a question about infertility, about the way that your body works, about about your period, about the mikvah, about the mitzvah of Taharat HaMishpacha to just reach out to Ayoazah Halacha, either you know, in your community, if you know of one, or reach out directly to Nishmat. And I will put all the uh, information in the description of the podcast. And thank you so much, Rabbanit Hannah, for joining us on America's Top Rebbitsons. It was really, truly a pleasure to have you on our show. And we all learned so much. And may all the learning that we did today be for Rafu Shalema, for Abihai Batmaka, and also for Karen Batfrida Hindle. Thank you so, so much. Vera, thank you for giving me the opportunity. My pleasure. Shalom, shalom from Yerushalayim. Shalom.